0: The nectar of the words is the life for those who are scorched by the world, the words which have been uttered by the words of truth, which wipe out sins. The very hearing of which is beneficial, which are beautiful, pleasing to the ears, pleasing to the hearts, which are inexhaustible, those who recount them on the earth are the givers of plenty. Oh, peace, 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 unto. Tonight is our first satsang. I shall talk to you about Swami Vivekananda in California in 1900. (coughs) We generally read Swami Vivekananda's life and message. But we want to see his personal life private life. Anybody can be a big person on the stage, but we want to see how he leads his life, how he behaves with his people. His interpersonal personal relationship. The person is great, he must be great, even in small, small, small things. As Swamiji said, at the the front of the footlight, anybody can show great. But I want to see how he behaves with his servants. How much feeling he has for his family people. I want to see. A great person, everything must be great. He shouldn't have double life that in front of the camera I am great, in my house I abuse people, treat people. That person is not great. That Swamiji, that we want to see. That we shall learn from this woman. Her name was Alice Hansborough. She was the secretary of Swamiji during his second visit. It was started, as you know, Swamiji lived in America from... First time, three and a half years. Second time, one and a half years. So he came to USA in July, 1900. No, 1899. So few months he was in Ridgely, in New York. Then Tanchin came to California, Miss Josephine MacLeod, Swamiji's friend, great devotee. Actually, Swamiji came to recuperate from his ill health. He overworked. So the American devotees wanted him back to America, so he came. Swamiji asked Tantin, you are going to see your brother who was dying in Los Angeles. Hmm. Arrange some lectures and classes, I shall come. So Josephine McLeod came to Los Angeles, her brother was in in Arizona, they had some business and this person was bachelor and dying in a partner's house in Los Angeles and the partner's wife was Mr. S. K. Blodgett who was at the Parliament of Religions in Chicago. Mr. Mrs. Blodgett wrote her reminiscences. When I saw Swami Vivekananda gave the lecture at the parliament, the American young women, men, all rushed to shake hands with him. So sitting in the audience, nearly 5000 people, I said, young man, if you can overcome the onslaught of these American women, you are God. So when Chantin came, saw in, behind her, brother, her brother's bed, there is a huge <coughs> poster of Swami Vivekananda. Vivekananda, the Hindu monk of India. The woman just said, My goodness, who is this? Then Tantin told Mrs. Blodgett. You know the person's picture is. I know that person. That person is staying in our home in Rijli. If we want, we can bring him here. But of course, we want to meet him. Then Shamiji came. Shamiji came. I think it is in December. Mrs. Hansborough, Alice Hansborough. She wrote this story, at how Shamiji came and what he started to do. But before he she wrote these things, you will have to understand, it was in nineteen forty one. Shami Ashokarnanda, who was the head of the Vedanta Society of San Francisco, interviewed Mrs. Hansborough, who was seventy five years old, living with his with her daughter, in. Berkeley. So Mrs. Hansborough told about her story. She got married, had a daughter named Dorothy, husband disappeared. He she thought that her husband has gone to Alaska. So she too she was going to Alaska. So her friends said you are going to Alaska, they are reading say, a lot of theosophy, books and other things. <coughs> Well, you know, then he went to hear a story, a lecture, and there she heard about Swami Vivekananda's Raja Yoga. So her friend says, what could you give to you? She says, if you really want to give me a present, give me a copy of Raja Yoga. So she got a Raja Yoga, went to a bookshop, then the man says, you cannot get only Raja Yoga, you will have to buy Karma Yoga also, which is one set. All right, give me both." Well, I was in a boat, two, three months. I was in the boat, the boat went in the wrong directions. So, so I read Swami's Raja Yoga and Karma Yoga. So, two years I was in Alaska, there I met some Theosophists. Then I came back to Los Angeles, Her, their home was in Pasadena, 309 Monterey Road. That is the Bibi Karanandu house, we own the house now, Vedanta Hollywood owns that house, it is a historical landmark. Anyhow, Shami Ashokaranandu, this is the story, she came back, and there are three sisters. The eldest sister is Mrs. Wyckoff, widow, had a son named Ralph. Shant, you her name was Alice. Second sister had a daughter, husband disappeared. Third sister, Helen, unmarried, working. Those three sisters live in that house. And... Helen came from work and said, Hey, do you know what happened? Well, what? Listen. Swami Vivekananda is going to lecture tonight at 8 o'clock at Blanchard Hall in Los Angeles. The moment I heard it, we finished our supper very quickly. And it takes a train at that time. It takes one hour from Pasadena to Los Angeles downtown. Blanchard Hall. I still remember that Hilly Street, and other street. There is the Blanchard Hall. He, she was the one who went, and. It's better. Is that better, Okay, This is the picture, you know. There's, this she the poster. This poster. When Swamiji was lecturing, after the overnight, she became a celebrity. In the Calcutta, sorry, in Chicago, on the streets, the posters are displayed. That's Swamiji funny. became very famous. Huh? These posters on the streets of one of the original now is in in Berkeley Center. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is Berkeley Center, the original. It was December 8, 1899. My sister Helen came home evening and said, "Who do you think is going to speak in Los Angeles tonight?" "Swami Vivekananda." All during the two years I had been reading his books in Alaska, I had never expected to see him. We well, we rushed through dinner, made up a party, and went in Blanchard Hall. Topic. Vedanta philosophy, he was introduced by Professor (coughs) Bumgat, who had arranged for the hall and the lecture, they put a lot of publicity in the newspaper. Mr. Bumgat asked Swamiji, the lecture you gave in Brooklyn, that lecture I read, you will have to give the same lecture here. Shamaji gave the lecture, but you did not speak the same thing. Swamiji said, it is impossible for me. Swamiji Sh- Sh- did not have any notes. He spoke extempore. So he said every time I speak I speak something different. I cannot speak the same thing at bad It is not possible. He spoke in Vedanta philosophy. Shami Ashokananda asked. Sometimes it is good to hear. How was Swami dressed? Shami Ashokananda asked. He wore a yellow robe and turban. Yellow? Well, a light orange, a little lighter than the robe you use. Mrs. Hunsborough replied. And how did he look? His complexion was lighter than all the Swamis here today. Except Shami Devatmananda, who was in Portland. Mrs. Honsborough said his hair was black, very black, with not one grey hair. A lady once asked him later on if Hindu's hair ever turned turn grey. <laughs> How did he impress you? Shami Ashokarnanda then asked. I got the same impression I had previously had of him. That is, he was a most impressive personality. You know, you have told me that it is not possible to get an impression of personality from the individual's writings. But I felt that I had sensed Swamiji's personality from his books, and the impression was verified when I heard him speak. His voice, I should say, was baritone, certainly nearer to bass than tenor, and it was the most musical voice I have ever heard. At the end of the lecture, he closed with his chant, I am existence absolute, knowledge absolute, bliss absolute. Chidananda Rupa, "Shivoham, Shivoham." Everyone was enchanted with his talk. Whenever he quoted from Sanskrit, he would chant the quotation. He would actually chant, Swami Ashokarananda interrupted to ask, Yes, Mr. Swansboro replied, he would chant in Sanskrit, and then translate, once later on he apologized for coaching in Sanskrit and explained that he still taught in that language and then had to translate his thoughts into English. We, We sisters are very excited, we went to the podium after the lecture and asked Professor Baumgart, could I have an interview with him? Bumgur says, really? You girls are interested? Yes, yes, we are interested with this man. We like to have an interview with him. Well, with that lady is her manager. They pointed out Mrs. Uh, McLeod. So, they, all, the, all the, these three sisters went to Mrs. McLeod, we like to have an interview. Then she said, alright, I shall give you a date. So they got it date, And what is the second lecture? Swami Ashwagandana asked. His second lecture was on December 12, 1899. was also arranged by the Academy of Sciences. Mrs. Hansborough said, but this was one held in congregational church and was free, whereas tickets had been required for the first one. The subject was the building of the cosmos. And it was equally as enchanting, as the first one, I still have a copy of it, and you often read it. You have a copy of that lecture? Swami Ashokandha explained. Are you sure? Mrs. Unsburby assured the Swami that she was. Whatever lecture Swamiji gave at that time in America, some people, you see at that time there is no microphone, there is no tape recorder. It's all stenographic way they used to record. So the, stenograph, the stenographers recorded those things and they printed and sent to Brahmavadin and Prabhupada for publication. You will have to understand, Swami Vivekananda started three magazines, Brahmavadin in 1895, Prabhupada eighteen ninety six. Ninety six or 98, and Udbodhan 1899. He started three magazines. <laughs> did you know that the Vedanta Society was actually established in Pasajena? She asked. It was suggested to Swamiji that he visit Pasajena, which he did. There he met Mrs. Emmeline Bowler, a wealthy woman who was president of the Shakespeare's club and we lived, Swamiji later spent a few days. This woman, very rich woman, Swamiji stayed with her, but he didn't like it, very bossy and she was the president of the Shakespeare club. Swamiji gave some many important lectures, Buddhist India, My Life and My Mission, those lectures are given in Pasajana in Shakespeare's club. So this woman, Mrs. Emmeline Bowler, her motive is how to make money. Swamiji was a very fascinating person, good lecturer. Sell the tickets at that time one dollar to hear the lecture of Swamiji. At that time one dollar was quite something in eighteen ninety nine. Missus Sandberg says, "Invariably, he either phoned or wrote me wherever he wanted to leave and any place." You know what I was thinking? 1899. 18, there was a telephone, <coughs> bell telephone, started. Not uh, like the landline phone. I think <laughs> that's kind of phone. <laughs> telephone was there. I'm glad that that time there was no email or telephone <laughs> or all these things. Otherwise we would not get Swamiji's nearly over 800 lectures, 800 letters. Those letters are precious, precious. Beautiful, those lectures of Swamiji. Very inspiring. They gave the picture of the phone of that time. <laughs> it's a type you do like this. <laughs> <laughs> This is the telephone in eighteen ninety nine. They're presenting Swamiji, a start of the society here in Pasadena, Swamiji said. Here people's enthusiasm comes quickly and drops quickly. It does not work. Shyamiji was not very interested. But to always remember, Swami Vivekananda started two Vedanta societies in America. First, New York in 1894. Second, San Francisco in 1900. When I made some proposed bylaws, Shamiji said, Mrs. Bowler objected to this on the grounds such a member, but this list of members, they, every year each member should pay such and such amount. Mister, Mrs. Bowler says, if somebody dies, well then he will not have to pay. <laughs> Swamiji, <laughs> Swamiji enjoyed it. <laughs> then Mrs. Bowler was thinking, because Mrs. Hallis husband took over Swamiji's affairs, she was thinking... He was thinking, a little jealous, you know, competition. Oh, how much you are making from him? Alice said, Mrs. Bowler, we are not wealthy people like you. We do not take money from Swamiji. We just want to serve him. It is the privilege of paying for the halls, and we are not wealthy people, Mrs. Bowler. you know, we, when you rent a hall for lecture, you will have to pay. And some advertisement, you will have to pay. That's all. Whatever income comes from the selling, the tickets, that is spent. And whatever other money left, that we keep it for Swamiji. I might be speaking of the organization of Passagena Centre. Mm. Then interview. Miss McLeod has arranged for us to call on him at Mrs. Blodgett's home. My my sister Helen and I went in the morning. He was dressed to receive us in the long knee-length coat we see in the picture, where he stands with Sister Lolita. That is the coat, that is how he is dressed. Was Miss McLeod present at the first meeting? Sometime Miss McLeod introduced these visitors. Swamiji used to talk to them. Miss MacLeod would not stay there. These two sisters, praise Swamiji, Will you stay with us? They are so moved. I can only describe myself as enchanted by him, Mrs. Holper answered. As I mentioned, this was my first feeling from the books before I ever saw him. And the feeling has stayed with me throughout my life. And what did he talk about with you at this first meeting? The conversation was only general. He was rather shy and reserved in manner, as I remember. He said he was very glad we are interested in his lecture. We asked how long he expected to stay in Los Angeles, and he replied that he did not know, but that if we cared to arrange a class, he would be glad to address a group. So, these three sisters and others, their friends, they started to prepare some classes in Blanchard Hall. December 19, 21, 22, one dollar entry, ticket. We had three rooms in the Blanchard building which opened into one another. The arrangement was not very satisfactory. We printed liplets, we give some advertisement. Then Swam Shokarnanda asking, did Swamiji keep any account of his money? No, he did not touch money, we used to take care of his money. Same thing in last year's first time, everything was with Miss Waldo, he did not touch money. It happened, sometimes they started to... He speaks about renunciation, but he takes money in his lecture and this and that. And he, he made a law. In the, then do you know what Shamji said when this report came to Shamji? It is true, a monk should not ask money. If the rule does not suit me, I change the rule. <laughs> that is it. financial details. Before I go further, I must tell you what happened, why I got interested with these reminiscences. It was in 1970, I was in Mayabhuti, in the Himalayas. Mrs. Mary Louise Barker. Sister Gargi, in San Francisco, she first wrote Vivekananda's new discoveries, came in 1957. Then, she prepared a big volume, Vivekananda in California. That manuscript was given to me to evaluate. So I took this manuscript to Mayabhuti, reading. These reminiscences, some personal things of Swami, I copied from that manuscript. Then I told the authority, under this title, the book will not sell. The title must be changed. Or president of Swami Buddha Nandaji said, then you come with me to Belunmat and present the case to the trustees. I told him, I am an ordinary monk, who cares for me? You go. <laughs> you are a president, you go and talk, tell my opinion. The title was changed. Then it was decided the book, Gargi's writings, will come in six volumes. Vivekananda in the West, New Discoveries. Volume 1, volume 2, volume 3, volume 4, volume 5, volume 6. In six years, you know, that all the each volume, each one year. In this way, now the book is in circulation. Anyhow, so I was very much impressed. I wanted to know Samji's personal life. Really, if you really want to know somebody, you want to go in his personal life. So what happened, when I came to America in 1971, I asked Shami Prabhu Dhanurandaji, because there, Gargi mentioned about this interview, which was taken by Shami Ashokarnanda and Shami Chidru Parnanda. At that time, his name was A.T. Clifton, in 1941. He recorded 84 pages, cycle style. All thing was in the archives in San Francisco. It was all under Gargi. Mrs. Mrs. our Mary Louise Park. She didn't give to me. So after heart passing away, I asked Prabhu Dhanandaji, could you give the man, uh, this thing to me? He gave. Then I asked our secretary, ex-secretary. She's a beautiful typist. to type the whole thing again. Then I read and several people edited and rearranged the whole interview. Then it came in six issues on the Prabhuda Bharata. Uh, February 2007 to July 2007. I'm telling you, it is all 2007 Prabhupada Bharata. So it came serial in six, six parts, that 84 pages. And then I translated it into Bengali. So that is the background of this. It was hid because do you know what? Gargi took some small, small portions. She did not take, it was the whole thing. Here you will find the whole thing. These reminiscences of Mr. Santaparru. That I wanted to tell you. About recording. Who recorded? It was Mr. Bugley, her nephew of John Bug Mrs. Mrs. Bugley, who was the governor of Michigan, Detroit. Her nephew was a stenographer, recorded Shamiji's talks in California, and she couldn't follow the words to so engage another woman, professional, and she recorded. You will have to understand that in 1995, December, you are seeing this man's precious talks are disappearing, no record. So the American people engaged in J.J. Goodwin. He was a British stenographer. He later became a Brahmachari and went to India and died in Uttarakhand. Anyhow, it is his contribution of Swamiji's various lectures and classes he recorded. He was a fantastic stenographer. 120 words per minute he could record. Anyhow, it was JJ J. Goodwin. And this woman <laughs> used to <play. laughs> It's the same Miss Cal- McClary. On another occasion, she was the stenographer. Asked Swamiji, if it was true that Hindu mothers threw away, threw their babies into the Ganges because they did not want them? He answered, yes, madam, but I was one who escaped. <laughs> After a moment, he added, now it is, all the babies are born of men, I <laughs> all the girls are sent in the crocodiles, you know. Clary then realized her own stupidity and hid her, herself behind her chair. Swamiji said, I don't blame you, I would too if I had asked such a question. <laughs> Shamaji has to face various things. In connection with the work I always saw him before and after the lecture and classes. During questions, after one of the classes, Mr. Burnsby asked Swamiji, what difference there was between a cabbage and a man, if all things are one? It is a Vedantic brad- <laughs> concept. Everything is Brahman. So what is the difference between a human body and a cabbage? <laughs> Do you know what Shamaji's answer? Swamiji, could be sharp on occasion. His answer was, stick a knife into your leg and you will see see the line of demarcation. Just punch it. Do you know what does it mean? If you have that experience, you will completely transcend the body idea. You will never feel that you have a body. You are the Atman. Body is dead, doesn't matter. Took the knife and punched it on your leg. That's what he said funny. On another occasion, a woman asked, who supported all the monks in India? The women, madam. Swamiji replied, the same as in your country. (laughs) (laughs) Here, who supports all these things? Women. Swamiji noticed it in America at that time. Education, religion, culture managed by women of the society men earn money and do politics, men are meant for politics and making money, women culture, education, religion, that is in the hands of the American women, but now change, you know, After our meeting with Swamiji at Mrs. Blodgett, I told my sister, Do you know, I think Swami Vivekananda wants to come to visit us. My sister thought I was crazy. However, I defended my thought by pointing out that the Swami was not well and that He might find our home restful. We are then living at 309 Monterey Road in Lincoln Park, which is now called South Pasadena in a rented house. The property and the house are still standing and the room still intact in which Swamiji slept, for he did come, came up later to stay with us. He was not well. Did he look unwell? Would anyone know from his appearance that he was ill? Oh no, Mrs. Hansborough told him. He always looked bright, especially, When he was particularly interested in something, then his eyes actually sparkled. When he declined my invitation to visit us, he was very gracious. I had explained that our home was very unpretentious, but that we would be very happy to have you with us. He smiled and said, I do not need luxury, and explained that he was comfortably situated at Mrs. Blodgett's. Later on in late December, I asked him to come for Sanjay dinner during Christmas Eve. He readily accepted. Then he and Mrs. Mrs. Miss Miss MacLeod came for dinner, and we fed him. It was an hour ride on the electric train for them to reach our house. The train stopped just at the corner, and then they had only a few steps to our home, to our door, then I can see that Swamiji waiting in front of our door, but I can visualize, you know, if you really meet a great person in your life, even for a few seconds, that will penetrate in your heart forever, you will never forget it. Shamiji entered her house, he moved around, was, you have seen passage in the house, there was no in, living room in the downstairs and, and the bedrooms in the upstairs, kitchen downstairs. I remember when I first came, I wanted a retreat first of January in Shamiji's house, so all Brahmacharis and some young boys, <coughs> The three boys used to live in Swamiji's house. Those who do not want to go to Vietnam War, they took refuge in Vedanta. <laughs> <laughs> so three boys are there, one of them was working in good, goodwill, two are students, so we accommodated them, so that they, they object, they do not want to go to Vietnam. So I said, 1st January retreat, early in the morning at 6 o'clock, we went to see the Rose Bowl Parish. They told me, Swami, if you go to Parish, 2-3 days before you will have to be camp there, if you want to go see the Parish. I we are village people, we know how to say to it. <laughs> <laughs> we, just, we just went just before the before the Parish starts from Rose Bowl, you know, colorado. Yes. Boulevard, it goes 4-5 miles. We went there through dashing, pushing, we just... <laughs> <laughs> we are village people. <laughs> and I saw some people with their change on the sidewalk, you know, <laughs> two, three, one or two nights earlier, they are occupying the best place to see. If you want to see, uh, <laughs> don't go toward the end, in the very beginning, then, then all they have energy and they will show all their tweets, you know. Anyhow, we, after seeing this show, that we came to Shamiji's house, then our boys wanted to see the football. say American football, first of January. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell four o'clock, there will be meditation, reading. And I was the cook. I used to make chichurri and some other things I used to cook. And they, they would bring some cake. It's a big function, first of January. I started that one. <laughs> Maharaj was very happy. Boys are all excited. Then the nuns complain, Swami, you take only the boys. <laughs> Monks, not the nuns. I'm going, maybe another day. <laughs> Anyhow, that is Swamiji's house. Then he wanted to come right away, then one day Swami said, let me come and stay with you. So Swamiji came, then he wanted to come right away and he soon did. He had but one trunk, but he had many clothes, for he was always well-dressed when he went out or met strangers at whom he cared little for his dress. He was most casual about it. Once, while my nephew Ralph was blacking his shoes, he remarked, You know Ralph, this fine legy business is a nuisance. He knew that what was expected of him in public, when Mrs. Bowler had invited him to speak at, in Pasadena, he had specifically asked that he wear his turban. Do you have to wear the turban? I asked him. For by that time he had given it up. Don't you understand? He said, she wants the whole show. (laughs) Sometimes, Shamiji was very outspoken. He had been very outspoken that evening in criticism of the West. And I said that I had enjoyed the lecture but feared that he sometimes antagonised his audience. He smiled as if they meant nothing to him. Madam, I have cleared whole halls in New York. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> People left the hall when I spoke. Let me tell you a story behind this hall. It was 26th February, 1894. No, 1896. Shamiji gave the lecture in New York. Topic My Master about Sri Ramakrishna. He came to the podium and saw the audience. No, I shall not just speak. My guru is free from lust and gold. These people have only desires, materialists. My lecture will not reach them. So he was about to leave. Sri Ramakrishna appeared before him. No, 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 no. You speak about me. It will do good to them. He spoke. Maybe, maybe one and a half to two hours. It is a long lecture. Same lecture Swamiji gave in Wimbledon in, New, in, in, in England. The two lectures they combined and made that lecture, which you see in the complete words volume four. What happened, Swamiji pounded on Western materialism and talked about renunciation and purity. Later on that portion was omitted, but in the first volume which was published by Udbhodon, that portion was there. So when I was working for meditation and his methods by according to Vivekananda, Christopher Isharuj wrote the foreword in that book and he put that diligent portion there. Then what happened, Swamiji pounded and many people left the hall. When Swamiji was speaking, 1200-1400 audience, later on, next day in the newspaper, A lot of criticism came on Swami He read the newspaper and cried. I am not fit to preach my guru. He never, never, never criticized anybody, but I did. I criticized this materialistic outlook of the Western people. I criticized them. I am not fit to speak about Sri Ramakrishna. I'm just telling you a little background that I cleared the hall. I think the finest gesture I ever saw him make, Mrs. Anspar went on, was in connection with the rumour of a scandal which arose about him while he was in Los Angeles. Professor, Professor Bungart said to see Swamiji one morning and the subject came up in conversation. Swamiji listened, finally said, well what I am? is written on my brow, if you can read it, you are blessed, if you cannot, the loss is yours, not mine, it happened in America, the missionary people became very jealous, when Swamiji lectured and exposed the missionaries, that how they exploit the Indian people, this and that, their income dropped, so they become very angry. So they wanted to spread a scandal against him, to harm him even. They tried to poison him in Detroit, mixing poison with coffee. Sri Ram appeared and said, don't drink. There is poison. These missionary people trying to spread a scandal. What did they do? Just maintain silence. His followers, the American devotees, asked, Sramaji, you must, these are all black lies. You must protest. No, madam. Sannyasin should not have any self defense. Truth alone tramps, not untruth. God will protect me. That's it. Even he will not allow them to defend. No, don't defend me. I have a strong, I have a power to defend myself. No defense. Truth will prevail. Next, one of the famous lectures of Swamiji was in Christ the Messenger in Los Angeles. She was talking about it. was at Pine Halls, Mrs. Santabarro told me. We had moved from the chapel in the home of truth because Swamiji did not feel free to speak critically of metaphysical ideas from their platform. The original title of that lecture, you know, was The mass Message of Christ to the World. It was changed of, changed of, changed after it was sent to India. Christ the messenger. You see, Miss Josephine Macleod was present the, at that lecture. But when Swamiji was lecturing, I saw a halo behind his head. It was a very powerful lecture. It was in complete world volume four. Swamiji was introduced by John Smith, a physician who greatly admired Swamiji. The lecture drew a tremendous crowd. More than a hundred people were turned away. The Mr. Blanchard, for whom the hall where Swamiji gave his first lecture was laying, was present at this time and the size of the audience was not lost on him. This man was a businessman. He thought, my goodness, so many people come, and even some people could not get into the hall. I shall make money from this money, from this person. So without taking permission from Swamiji, he announced, next Sunday, this Swami Vivekananda will speak here. But Swamiji overheard that announcement, heard that announcement, who gave him permission? Who gave him permission to announce, I did not give permission? Shamiji did not speak. Do you know what happened? Next Sunday, many people came and saw the door was closed. Shamiji had a very bad experience in America in 1893 94 He signed, after he became very famous, he signed with the Lecture Bureau. It was, I think, two years or four years contract. My goodness! These people are exploiting Shamiji right and left. In one lecture, Shamiji gave $2,700 at that time. They gave Shamiji only $250. $2,700 in one lecture at that time. They are exploiting shamiji Then, oof, and they are taking Shamiji all over Midwest, even Tennessee, Jamayana, then Cancers all over Illinois. Then, Minneapolis, Shamiji was helpless because he signed the contract. And by train, going one place to another and lecture, and lecture, and lecture, he was exhausted. Then, in magician, he made Mr. Palmer, he was a senator. He saw this contract, he found the loophole. Well, I shall fight for you and cancel the contract. He went to Chicago and cancelled the contract and saved Swamiji. Some people wanted to exploit, you see. (laughs) We learned later that on the following Sunday, more than 100 people went to Blanchard Hall, nevertheless, and waited on the steps. The episode also broke up the lecture series, but it was this, that lecture was Shakespeare Club in Pasadena. Then I asked, Swamiji, do you like to go to San Francisco? Yes, i like to go to San Francisco. Then the other two sisters are thinking, Hey, Alice, you are not capable to handle this kind of thing in San Francisco? But she did not listen to her sisters, she went to San Francisco, and she knew some of her friends there, and started to arrange Swamiji's visit to San Francisco. Shamiji was telling her. I was taken a little by surprise as I had more or less abandoned the thought why I would go I could go if he wanted me to, I answered. He seemed to have sensed that I had been discouraged from the plan by my sister's proposition. opposition. When once you considered an action, Shamiji said, Do not let anything dissuade you. Consult your heart, not others, and then follow his dictates. Benjamin B.P. Mills of the Unitarian Church in Oakland. That church still stands. Hey, two years ago, I went there and gave a lecture. You visited the church? Mm-hmm. One time, yeah. It is a beautiful church. They have a plaque or something. Yeah. Something, something. The church, Swamiji gave a lecture, that church still stands. they near the How about. Huh? Uh, it's like frozen in time. Sorry. Huh? It's like fro- it's frozen in time. Yeah. It's it seems like you're walking in beautiful. unchanged yeah, from that. Our mm-hmm, Berkeley Swami arranged a big function, we had 500 people with several Swamis and they have a beautiful choir and the chair, Swamiji said that chair is also on the platform. So I bowed down to that chair. <laughs> and the chair is a little rocky, so I grabbed it and I was about to fall. So some people thought I was not well. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> Swamiji's first lecture in Unitarian Church... No, not first lecture. Just, Swamiji's first... He gave his first lecture in San Francisco on February 23rd, 1900 at Gelgen Golden Gate Hall on the ideal of universal religion. That's a beautiful lecture. Speaking of San Francisco reminds me of a remark he made to me one evening after one of his lectures here. You have heard that Christ said, My words are spirit and they are life. He pointed his finger at me and declared, So are my words spirit and fire and they will burn their way into your brain, and you will never get away from them. It was now late in the evening, the talk turned to Swamiji actually coming to San Francisco, Sunday, March 23rd, 1941, these are, these are the recordings. Tell me now, Swami Ashokananda began, how long Swamiji stayed at your home in Los Angeles? It must have been all of four weeks," Mrs. Osborne replied. He came in late January 1900 and it was on February 21st when he left to come to San Francisco. Did he ever express any opinion about Los Angeles? Yes, it has an atmosphere like India, it is restful. And did you have many conversations with him while he was in your home? The Swami asked, Oh yes, usually there in the evening, every night, we would sit after dinner was over, and he would talk on many subjects philosophy, science and national development. You mean development of the United States, the Swami, Put, Swami Putin. Yes, Mrs. Hansborough answered. He was very much interested in all phases of our national life. But he did not like to see the great concentration of material affairs. Swamiji said that our civilization would fall within 50 years if we did not spiritualize it. That Swami Swamiji said in India. Europe is now on the age of a volcano. If it does not change its move towards spirituality, it will, there will be disaster. What happened to World War II? World War I, World War II, that came over Europe. That is Swamiji's forecast. The whole society will be destroyed, war, war. He did say that? Did he ever say that from that platform or only in private conversation? Oh, only in private conversation. He said we are defying, defying material values and that we could never build anything lasting on such a basis. How long would these conversations in the evening? About what time would Swamiji retire? He would talk as long as he wanted him to, Mrs. Hansborough said, though actually it was never later than around 10 or 11 o'clock. And did he have a room to himself in your house? Oh yes, I have a picture of your house. Oh, the front portion is Swamiji's bedroom was upstairs in the corner. Mm -hmm. Southeast corner, there we used to meditate, and in that room, there is a footprint of Shamiji was there when he died, that footprint was taken that is there. It is a very small room that house is small, but we all moved in one room like a like hospital beds, you know one after another. All the sisters and all ladies will sleep one after another, in one room, and we want Swamiji to have a separate room. How did you spend the day? He usually came down after seven about 7 o'clock, there was a bathroom on the second floor where his bedroom was, and I presume he would bathe in the morning, but he did not comb his hair. <laughs> Ms. Osborne said, he says, no, Replied, i was very careless about at home. <laughs> Why should I be careful of my dress at home? I don't want to get married. <laughs> you see, while, where we think oh, there, is, there is a proper dress for the dining room, just as for other times and places, he put all this down as show. This reminds me of Frank Alexander, you know, he put all Swamiji's <coughs> important things but Swamiji's personal life was not there. As I say, he would come down about 7 in the morning in the bathrobes and slippers and his long black hair, not yet combed. He would have some kind of undergarment under his robe which showed a bit of his at uh, the neck. I remember that his robe had seen many winters and it is old. <coughs> it was a black and white tweed of some kind, probably with a herringbone pattern in it and with a cord about around the waist. I do not understand those American things anyhow. <laughs> you said his hair was black, as we know. How did he wear it at the time? Was it long? Swami Ashokandai, yes. When Swamiji first came to Los Angeles, his hair had grown long and it was beautifully wavy. In fact, it was so beautiful and it set off his features so well that we could not let him cut it again. You see, this is Swami. You see. He looks like a prince, long hair and middle parted, flowing ploy, hair. <laughs> this picture was taken in San Francisco. So you were responsible for the long hair, <laughs> <laughs> Swami Ashokananda explained, half jokingly, and you liked it because it was beautiful. Mrs. Hansborough smiled assent. <laughs> Swamiji himself did not object. In fact, he appreciated the value and his beauty lent to his appearance. He actually remarked once when we are discussing his beauty as its value, he was wholly devoid of self-consciousness. Let me tell you what happened. Shamiji returned, December 1900, Balloon Mort, from America. He came to Bombay, then by train, came to Calcutta. Next morning he called the barber, shaved the head, and the barber took all the, this long hair, wanted to dump it. Shamiji looked at it and said, a day will come people will cry for a single piece of hair of Vivekananda. I remember a funny story. A hippie boy went to his father and said, Dad, i like to have a car. Dad says, the boy has a long hair. My son first cut the hair. Mm -hmm. Then the boy said, Dad, Jesus had long hair. Then the judge replied, but Jesus only walked. (laughs) 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 Jesus only walked. Jesus did not have any car. (laughs) Now you are saying that he would come downstairs in the morning at about 7 o'clock. What time would he have breakfast? Breakfast would be at about 7.30 or... In order to accommodate Helen, he was working... And Ralph, who would go, go to get to school, Shamiji would pass the half hour walking outside in his bathrobe. What is the breakfast menu? He always had fruit, usually an orange or grapefruit, and he liked post-eggs. He would have toast and coffee usually. Did he like the coffee with cream? Yes, he took cream and a I think he took sugar also. And how big is the breakfast would he eat? Swamiji was a moderate eater. Usually he took two eggs, two pieces of toast, one and two cups of coffee. Once I offered him a third cup of coffee, at first he declined. But when I asked him, he finally yielded and said, all right, women's business is to tempt men. <laughs> <laughs> In Hollywood, they have a tradition that Sister Lolita used to serve breakfast. In Hollywood, there will be fruit juice, a little cereal, two pieces of toast, two fried eggs, coffee, two cups, and C- cigarette. Mm-hmm. So in Hollywood, we used to offer these things to Shamiji. Still that's Shamiji's birthday. In the morning there is a special function in Hollywood temple. So, so you like to burn the cigarettes and you hold for the engineer of Swamiji like this, as if Swamiji is smoking. Mm-hmm. And which is bring all kinds of cigarettes, various, <laughs> best kinds of cigarettes, heaps of cigarettes. Then my one should be offered. So, one naan I remember asked, Swamiji, they came to me and said, Shami, could I have a little cigarette prasad? <laughs> <laughs> I said, Yes, yes, I can give you a cigarette prasad on condition. You will have to meditate whole night. Then I shall give you one pack cigarette. <laughs> I shall remember to forget the cigarette prasad. <laughs> Then after breakfast, Swamiji would play, Dorothy was four years old and her friends, Swamiji would play with them and tell the stories. He was much interested in the problems of child training and we often talked of it. He did not believe in punishment, it had never helped him, he said, and I would never do anything to make a child afraid, he declared. You know sometimes we tell ghost stories and all these things, Swamiji was mad at that. Never put fear in the minds of the little kids. Mm -hmm. I would never do anything to make a child afraid, is it clear? But the one day there was the lecture and classes. Shambhala, we used to leave at 10 o'clock. And 11 to 12, there were some classes. <coughs> and he used to dress as, uh, up to this tonight. So I covered three months, three issues of Prabhupada World. Our okay. next satsang will be in coming Friday, in the stage of Saturday at 8 o'clock because Saturday I shall go to Portland, Oregon. I shall go Saturday morning and I shall be back Sanjay evening. Sorry, so I ask a question just Sister Lalita was she in this house? or was she, yeah. cha- she was one of the daughters of this house. Yeah. Or. She is the elder sister. Mm-hmm. Lalita Mrs. Wyckoff is the elder sister. Mm-hmm. Alice Hansborough, Shanti mm-hmm. is the second sister. Mm-hmm. And third sister is Helen. Mm-hmm. These three sisters. So there's some story where like she touched Swamiji and had some ex- something. That reading. that will come next oh, year. Okay, I won't worry on it. <laughs> I've been thinking about the whole day. But you know, uh, sometimes we give a lecture of Sh- about Swamiji, but we want to see that how he ate, how he slept, what in the breakfast, what is the lunch, and asleep. <laughs> we want to see his personal life. That is, that we can feel it. You see, the person you want to love. You want to love somebody, you must know his ins and outs, his everything. Then you will feel close connection. I sometimes always say that if you want to love, you must know that person. And how can you know? You will have to live with that person. But well, how can I live with Swamiji? Through meditation. This, this woman sat Swamiji and Swamiji penetrates into her mind forever. Forever, Swamiji penetrates into her mind. She, she will never, never, never forget Swamiji. True, it comes from the, when the, when the working plane, you know, when, when we live together. Yeah. Good, it is done. <laughs> Thank you. My goodness, one hour.